salutations and shit, guys. Whole bunch of different areas where stuff is showing up. So I'm never really going to look like I'm paying attention anywhere. So uh, welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit. I'm your host, D. Carrie. I'm the, the host, like I said, this little old podcast that I got that I enjoy doing where I discuss more. Was I really? Am I whispering? Oh, that's yeah. what, because you, uh-huh, you said number two, right? All right, so I talk about travel and a lot of other shit, but it's mostly a um, how I did it, what I experienced, not a how I did it. It's more of a what I experienced, how I felt, what I learned, and what the takeaway from my travels has been. And um, it's not your standard, this is what I did, this is where I went, here are the best restaurants to go to. So if information like that occasionally pops up, fuck it, we're going to go in. Otherwise, not the case. So... Today, I'm hoping to have a um, little bit of an interactive conversation here. I've had great success on, um, hey, Dave, how are you? I've had great success um, from IG Live before. So I'm hoping that um, between IG and I think I'm on, yep, I'm on Facebook, um, that this will be a really fun um, episode to do. So. Today's topic is visiting, I don't necessarily want to say small countries, but just visiting countries, places or whatever on vacation and participating in immersive experiences and how that can possibly exploit the communities. So I definitely have um, had my share of immersive experiences while I was abroad. One in particular that comes to mind um, the most is my most, well, okay, so whenever anybody asks me where my favorite places that I visited have been, it's always going to be, well, so far, it's Colombia and Cuba. So, I like them both for relatively the same reason because um, just my experience as a black woman there has been the most enjoyable that I have experienced abroad, period. So those are my top two places. Now, in each of those places, I also did a really incredible immersive experience where I was able to immerse myself in um, different cultures in those areas. So I was in Cuba and while I was in Cuba, I did a little bit, I stayed like uh, coastal and then I stayed in Havana for a few days. While I was in Havana, I did a um, experience where I was able to, and I've talked about this on a few other episodes, so I'm not going to rehash what the um, experience was for me, but I did an experience where I was with a bunch of locals and they were all from uh, different areas in Cuba and they weren't like expats. They didn't move in and then say, hey, I've been here for four years. I love it. I want to share this with other people. I'll revisit that uh, issue in a bit. But they're all from uh, Cuba originally, born and raised, and they basically did an incredible job of explaining to us what... Santeria is uh, voodoo um, and a couple of other religions. And 
in that explanation, if you will, we also went to a village and I want to say, and I might possibly be wrong, Guanabacao. I believe that that's like, well, wherever we went, it was initially the village or the city where it originated, where um, Santeria in Cuba originated. So we went there, went to a museum, had a great time, great conversations. And then we went to um, a Babalao's home and we received our readings. Should we have um, decided that that's something that we wanted to participate in? And we... Um, had meals, like we ate, we sang, incredible experience, right? But we also went to like a community center and a couple of different places that we went along the way. Now, outside of the being a group of people standing on a block where regular people live, right? So imagine you walk out of your house and you see that there's a group of like seven people just standing there and they are listening to one person in particular talk about whatever, because you don't know what the fuck it is. You just came out the grip. And now you've got all these people sitting in front of your, your house. Like, I know I would personally have a problem with that, right? That's not something I want to see. I'm immediately thinking there's something wrong or somebody's buying something. It, it's immediately a red flag that something that I'm not exactly going to be excited about is underfoot. Like who gets that's exciting to say underfoot, right? So all that being said, I was, what the fuck was I doing? I want to say that I was read. I just subscribed to Condé Nast Traveler and I'm quite excited about that. I will say, um, shallow moment. I really only subscribed so that I can get the tote bag. So I'm a little disappointed that the tote bag didn't show up with the first um, issue that I received in the mail. So Condonass, get on that shit. But that being said, um, I think I was reading an article in there. Uh, um, I was reading the contents about Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan or however you pronounce it. And there was um, something that I said I would get back to. And then I just kind of had to, hmm, how do I feel about my role in going to these communities? And how would I feel if this same experience I guess you could say would be reflected back on me. Like if I were on the opposite side. So here are my thoughts on it. Wouldn't like the shit. Wouldn't like it the fuck at all. Um, it's in a sense similar. I'm kind of tangenting going on a tangent here. You ever wonder how many pictures you're in the back of like just in the background or random strangers have taken a picture of you and you didn't know that you were in that picture. We, well, I live in New York. I, um, work in Manhattan and you're in, even if it's not in, um, a popular city that you live in, if you've been in a popular city, if you've been any fucking where people are taking pictures, it's just the nature of society that we're in now. There are a million people taking pictures and no one really knows what they're taking pictures of. Not to say that people have these like nefarious um, plans afoot. And I keep saying that one, right? Afoot. Um, no, there's not. I'm not saying that people are just being extra creepy, although we know that in many instances they fucking are. But 
that aside, it's just always been one of those little things that I think about is I wonder how many pictures I'm in the background of today, or I wonder how many people, um, ended up Snapchatting something or being on fucking live and you're in the background. So that being said, imagine you are, you know, grieving the loss of a pet, uh, grieving the loss of a relationship, a breakup, uh, whatever. And you are leaving your house, leaving your job, leaving the grocery store, whatever. And now there's like a tour group that's passing by and people are recording and they're taking video or they're taking pictures. Being that I live and do most of my shit in a city, like a popular, a very popular city, it's kind of like that's something that is not, you know, a major concern just because there's so much shit going on around me that people taking pictures doesn't really bother me too much. But now if they were taking pictures of me, I would feel a way. Now, if somebody takes a picture of you on the street, do you walk up to them and, oh, hey, uh, J-Cap, happy birthday. I know Facebook said it's your birthday and I see you just logged on there. What's good? Happy birthday. Um, so do you stop people if they take pictures of you in the street? Has anybody had that happen to them? I don't feel like I've had some, like I've never had somebody walk up to me and take a picture of me. I have had somebody admit to me that I was like their screensaver on their phone and that weirded the fuck out. That weirded me out. That was back when I used to bartend. And I had one of the guys come in and was just like, yeah, you've been my screensaver for like the past three weeks. And I was just, oh, my guy, like, we don't, do we even have each other's phone numbers? Like, seems a little bit, why do you have a picture of me? You know, and I think he had said something like, yeah, we, we follow each other on Instagram and I just screenshotted a picture. And it's just like, well, damn. I wonder how many people that's happened to. And then it's just you generally, you consider yourself just a regular person. You're, I'm. I don't consider myself anybody important. I'm just, I mean, I know I'm important to the people that I'm important to, but to strangers for all intents and purposes, why is it something that um, you would want to have on your phone? Yeah. Anyway, so those are the weird kind of little things that I consider just general practice. Like these are, those are things that I've thought on like every day. Um, on an everyday basis. So in terms of travel, I'm feeling kind of bad now that I haven't necessarily considered how the people that I am visiting feel about me being fucking there. Now, back to Cuba, we were in, I want to say Guanabacao. I'm probably wrong about that, but that's what's coming to mind. Either way, we were in a really, really small city and it like you when you when you're walking by and you're seeing kids outside playing or you're seeing people leave the grocery store, you try not to like in your mind, you're seeing the similarities because kids play outside on my block and they come outside of grocery stores in my neighborhood and I'm in a totally different country now. Right. But to the extent that you are enjoying your vacation and to the extent that you are trying to document your experience, at what point is it you crossing a line and, um, you know, kind of stepping on somebody else's personal space? So 
I had another experience similar to that where I felt really uncomfortable. And what I tend to do in those situations is I just don't take pictures. Like I definitely don't take pictures. I definitely don't take pictures of people when I'm like out and about when I'm um, in the immersive experience, another one and one in particular where I felt uncomfortable watching somebody else take pictures. I was in um, Palenque in Cuba. I mean, not Cuba in um, Colombia. That is a still surviving town. And they basically are direct descendants of escaped slaves. So great experience, right? They have a dance troupe that performed for us. Them babies danced their asses off, okay? I want to say they danced for maybe like nine minutes. And seven or eight of those nine minutes was high energy, like dancing, dancing, like they was busting it. Like it wasn't like, um, you know, you watch somebody dance and a lot of it is choreographed to have like a slow down, catch your breath part. That was uh, few and far in between. So when I say them babies danced, they danced in like 94 degree weather at that. So bless their young hearts. Cause at one point a G had it. I am not that G any longer, but, um, so when there's an active performance going on, cool, we're taking pictures. Everyone wants it to be taken, you know, photographed while they're performing something. That's expected for the most part. Um, outside of that, while we were just walking through the town, like we passed like their main square, like their main area, and we're just walking down a street with houses and stuff and there are kids outside playing there's people outside playing cards playing dominoes minding they black ass fucking business and people are taking pictures and people are like recording and for me I think that that was um crossing a line where you're now intruding on someone's personal space versus uh, a public space or a performative space if someone is performing something I am totally cool with taking pictures. If there is something that is displayed in public, I am totally cool with taking pictures, whether it be um, graffiti, street art, um, whether or not somebody is outside, you know, singing aloud and engaging the people walking by. It's one thing if you're singing outside and you're hanging up your laundry. I don't feel like that's a performance. But if you're singing outside and you've got like a hat or a can or something to collect funds or money or whatever, then by all means, that is something that I would think to be more, um, uh, what do you call it? To be more, less guilty taking photos or less guilty documenting. Now there's always the, can you just ask? Of course you just fucking ask somebody. You can ask them if they take a picture, but if you don't speak their language, don't just ask them in English and take the picture. For all, you know, the respect that you expect to receive from other people, then I truly think that, and I truly hope, especially just those of you that are fucking with my podcast, like I feel like we have a lot of um, similar thought patterns or that we would be somewhat like-minded that you would ask 
somebody just sitting on a street if you can take their photo. It's one thing if you're taking the photo in a fashion where you're not going to be able to, you know, readily identify the person. Or if they're just, you know, something totally um, ancillary. Is ancillary proper usage there? I think it is. I don't know. But it, it feels right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Huh. In the same way that taking photos of something going on around you depending on the type of experience it is or event it is, it may not be your fucking business to take a photo of. Um, so the next question I had about that was what actually makes it some, what, what is that line of delineation? Where is it? Not where is it, but at what point is it for someone to say something is wrong? Right. So it's easy to say that there's something wrong or something exploitive about an experience when, say, someone from outside of the community comes in to um, benefit or to profit from the experience. So if I were to move to Bali a week from now and decide to do a yoga retreat someplace, it's not saying that I'm unable to add value, right? But how am I offering this retreat? Am I offering it in a sense where I am in some way giving back to said community? Or am I offering this retreat in a way that I am totally dismissive of the people whose space that I'm in and solely worried about my profit? Actually, that may not have been like the best experience because that's just like a service. Let's say, hmm, okay, most of the immersive experiences that you're going to go, you know, on and about are going to um, involve some sense or some form of community. So most of the things that I go on that are like culturally immersive are tend to be about religion and um, blackness. So it's, they've always been run by black people. So I can't say that I've had an experience, kudos to me for kind of trying to figure out what exactly I'm getting myself involved in. But if it were one of those things where somebody from out, it's kind of like the Airbnb experience, right? If somebody, me, let's say me, I bought six apartments in Portland, Oregon, and I had no intentions of ever stepping foot in any of them. I just, excuse me, I just bought them bitches up because I knew that I could rent them out and make a profit. I have no intentions of going to, um, you know, visit the places more than maybe once, twice a year. And to me, that's problematic because how many places did I say I had? Let's say I had six, right? Four or six. It's not only taking from the rental community, but it's not now me being a private homeowner deciding what I want to do with my space. It, to me, it's just I'm running a business. And in the sense that it, negatively impacts so many people and it negatively impacts that community in in substantial ways I feel like that is wrong to me that is a very clear um 
difference in something being provided as a service or something being provided as an experience to people, but at it at a cost that isn't worth necessarily the experience that's being offered. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. Sorry for a little technical difficulty there. I'm back. Um, I believe the last thing I was talking about was, oh, like an easy way of um, telling or discerning whether or not um, something is, the word, word is right here, exploitive of a community that it's being offered in. So I was basically saying that if you come from outside and make a profit over a community that you're not a part of or a community that you're not from, I feel like it is wrong and that it is something that shouldn't be done. Um, But what about or can it be as damaging when someone from the community also does it. So for example, in the community that I'm in now, I used to um, teach dance classes, right? And what if I decided that I wanted to do a, I got one. Say I wanted to um, teach an African class, right? I've done it before. Love it. Say I wanted to teach an African class, but I promoted for it on, say, um, Airbnb or say I promoted on um, meetups, right, or Eventbrite. And I targeted said link to a bunch of gentrifiers from Brooklyn. Hey, girl, so we're really close to the, uh, what do you call it, to the highway and there's a bus that goes right there and you're going to love your commute. Come on through. And I charged these women $50 for this class. Your African class should not cost $50. If it does, I'd love to hear about it because I'd really love to see why that bitch is $50. Anyway, I charge wild money, have these hoes come out, I teach this class, and I pocket all the funds. Now, while this is happening, windows are open, doors are open, so, you know, They can see what's going on outside. They're um, grown-ass adults, so if they want to take a break and step outside and see what's happening, then they're more than willing to. I feel like I would have a certain level of discomfort knowing that I were bringing these outsiders into my community to um, experience something that I do enjoy, um, that I do indeed enjoy, but I wouldn't feel comfortable knowing that I brought these outsiders in, not trusting what they would bring to said neighborhood. And it's one thing where outsiders come in and, you know, it's, you got something to do while you're there. You're coming to see somebody, you're coming to patronize a business, and then you go about your business. I just feel a certain way about inviting certain types of energy into said spaces. Hey, Elder. Um, And I'm feeling like a little contradictory also. Hmm. 
because it's kind of like if I were to go into if I were to go to fucking Howard Beach and um, Howard Beach is a pretty white ass neighborhood. Y'all, for those of you not from Queens um, or even going, I went to um, Adelphi in Garden City, which is a. I don't want to say very white because I don't know what the demographic is. However, in my experience, in the three years I lived out there and the four years I had to be out there to be in school, only black people I saw were the ones that were on campus. Everybody else was white. And, um, yeah, in hindsight, I wish I'd gone to a black-ass school, but I didn't. I went to White as Adelphi. And I made some great friends, so I can't necessarily say that I – regret it but knowing what I know now I definitely would not do it again that being said there is a difference I think in going into neighborhoods that you're not from or going into neighborhoods that you may not necessarily be welcomed in because I know that I'm not from any other neighborhood but from the one I'm in and the whole purpose in traveling is going to places that you're not from right so I don't want to imply that those are things that aren't good however I feel like there is a discussion to be had about people that come from outside of certain communities into communities and then um, profit off of these communities now I do also think that there um, may or well, actually hmm no, it may be that it's generally an issue when this episode, if you haven't noticed, is me just thinking out loud. So hope you fucks with this one. Um, there may be a difference and there may not be a difference. It depends on how it would be the semantics of it, right? How it can be articulated, whether or not it would be cultural appropriation. If somebody were coming to do an experience and they gave you the semblance or they gave you the notion that you were doing it yourself. So I had this conversation with um, a similar conversation with Dr. Michaela Brown from the Harlem fashion tour. It's actually currently on my IG TV and on the YouTube channel. You can go to um, DCarry com or travelandshippodcast.com and it will link you to the YouTube or you can just go to YouTube and search travel and shit and you're going to use the exclamation mark whenever you're searching it just use the exclamation mark so we'd had a very similar discussion where she was saying a lot of the groups that she has come in to take her tour will be a bunch of white people and they're walking through Harlem. Although Harlem has been relatively gentrified, there are many white people that live in Harlem now. There are places and um, I don't want to say just places because there are also just parts of the tour where you're just, my grandma says hi and she likes my topic. Hi, grandma. Um. That was on Facebook Live. So, Grandma, you're getting a shout-out on um, this episode of the podcast. I think it's episode 58 or 59. Um, but 
she has a section, well, not a section. We had had the conversation, and I'm pretty sure that actually this part of the, our conversation was in the video. So definitely head over and check that out if you're uh, interested. Even if you're not interested, go check it out. Um, where she specifically makes it a point to greet the men that stand or um, men or women that stand out in groups, like say in front of the store or um, on top of, uh, not on top of, um, like on your stoop, like just in front of your building or whatever, right? She makes it her point to to speak. Hey guys, how are you? And it is an intentional move for her because she can feel and she can see that many of her tour guests are very uncomfortable when they're about to walk past this group of black men, um, brown men outside, whether it be in front of a store, in front of a building, in wherever. And she does that so that they can see these are people. These they're they are nothing to be afraid of. Nobody is going to cause you any harm. They are regular men and women that are deserving of your respect, the same as, you know, the men and women that you encounter at your everyday job, whatever that may be. And, you know, they respond back, we good, sis, you good? Everything, every is everything all right? How's your fucking day? And um, I love that she mentioned that because I feel that a lot of times when you're on these walks through different neighborhoods or when you are immersing yourself in someone else's culture, that it's important to be aware that you are not from here, that you are in somebody else's home. And there's a certain, I don't know if it's a black thing or if it's just a respectful thing, um, for anybody that would like to chime in and let me know at some point in the future, um, you speak when you walk into a room. You walk into, you know, um, except for the only thing, the only place I see it not really being a thing is if you were to like walk into a store. So if I were to walk into a store, I'm not necessarily going to, you know, resound a greeting for everyone to hear. You know, generally it's the opposite. I walk into a store and the store clerk or whomever is the one that's going to speak to me. I definitely notice when they don't. I feel a way when they don't. I'm less likely to, you know, spend money in an establishment when I'm not greeted at my entrance, especially if I see that they're greeting someone else. So um, there's that on that. But if I walk into a friend's house, a cousin's house, if I walk into... Um, a locker room, if I walk into somebody's office, good morning, how are you? Hi. If Even if I walk to somebody and they have a post on the street, like if I'm talking, when I um, order my coffee from the coffee cart, first thing I start with is fucking good morning, just because pleasantries, you enter someone else's space, you speak. But there's a way of speaking or greeting someone without having them feel as if they are, you're doing them a favor also. So instead of, or in lieu of being dismissive of the people that you are surrounding yourself when you go on these culturally immersive experiences and 
you know, when you go to um, these events and what's the other word I'm looking for? Just events and experiences pretty much does it. When you do this shit, like be not only respectful about these people, but do it in a way where you're not doing them any favors. But damn, if you only saying it just to be like, you're saying it, that's just as bad. Like my mother always told me, don't do me no favors. And it's like, I don't like, cause I've seen it also where you'll have somebody uh, like coddle a baby. They're like, Oh, hi, look at the baby. She's so cute. And they do this whole woo, woo, woo. just like, or you could just say good morning to the seven year old because seven year olds just understand good morning. They don't need you to squishy it up. That's not necessary, you know? So I feel like if you're going to go someplace and be not dismissive, but belittling of the people, like I also, it's kind of like one of those things where if someone doesn't speak English well, or if they don't speak English, people start yelling. It's just like talking slow and speaking louder isn't going to make me understand the, you know, the language barrier. That, that's not lessening the barrier here. That's just making it even worse because now I'm feeling disrespected. You know, it's, don't do it. Um, let's see. We all, we all like to, okay, so elder is um a white associate of mine one of my e-friends and he says that we all like to feel welcome appreciate the input there brother um so white people like being spoken to in the morning too pleasantries guys everybody fucking likes them use them if you can um so when you go on these experiences don't say hey hey just because you want to say oh i've spoken to you know indonesian kids or something like that you just Speak like be a good person. Don't be, don't be a dick, guys. Don't be mean people, mean spirited people. Because not only are you, sad to say, ambassadors of your country, and in some cases, ambassadors for your race. I hate that individual black people have to speak for blackness as a whole because I am not every black person. Um, I am not every woman. I'm not every, you know, um, woman with short hair. I'm not every natural hair girl. So it's like when people say, Oh, well, do you, you know, um, do you do this to do your hair or, Oh, well you must not like doing this because you're from it. I can't speak for everybody. The same. I don't expect for other people to speak for everybody, but unfortunately that is not necessarily the way of the world. We know that people, use what they've got right in front of them many times as a representative or a representation of the the larger so you going abroad and being jerks to people kind of gives like that negative taste or that negative connotation to you know americans that don't respect this or americans that um you know don't care about other people and it just sucks that in a lot of places even as a traveler I see other people doing it you know what I mean so it's not a surprise for me because I see it here in in the states I see it in America I see people just be really nasty nasty 
to other people. But it just always, always disheartens me more when like I see it um, from Americans to people abroad. Drives me crazy. My grandma said, don't be phony, be real. Thank you, grandma. I agree. Um, what was the other thing I said? Oh, and then basically not just the people that do it, but at what point is it that it is okay for a community? Because it's not always negative, right? If the community that is being, let's say, highlighted or featured is um, okay with it, like if they're giving consent, what type of consent is okay? What makes it okay? Who gets to say that it's okay? Everyone knows that, you know, if you're a minor, your parent is the one that gives consent. If your parent says that this is okay, sadly, even if you don't really fuck with it, or if you don't really like with it, your parent says it, it goes, right? Um, and we would all hope that parents are making the best decisions for their children. Most children don't like going to the dentist. However, generally, your parents make you go. So there are, you know instances where even though a child doesn't necessarily want to do something, something being decided for them as the plan for the day is generally in their best interest or is going to be in their best interest. Right. So there's that on that. So what happens when everyone in said community is in outside of children who in the community other than elected officials gets to say that something is okay. Like who okays a tour group coming in and sanctioning a tour in this neighborhood you know what I mean it, in the in New York it's I can put on a tour and it's a tour I don't really think that's something I should look into I don't really think that there's anything I have to get um, permission for you need of course like permits for use of certain spaces uh, with certain number of people and that kind of jazz but if I wanted to just have my cousins come with me and point out this building and that building and if we went to Manhattan We've done this before. I had cousins come out for a family reunion that we had in New York, and it was maybe six of us. And there are some tours that you can book on Expedia, Expedia, Viator, and different companies, um, TripAdvisor, Airbnb experiences, where it'll be three other people besides you. So in total, there's five people. You got your tour guide, yourself, and three other people. So there can be a very small group and a tour is happening and someone is pointing this out and pointing that out. So here there's no, there's no, unless, uh, until it becomes a business and then it gets taxed, there's no real regulation on little things like that. Right. So who's to say that I got the okay from the community that I'm giving this tour in when you go on these Airbnb trips and tours and things, what, not promises, but what securities are in place to you as a consumer that you are benefiting the community that you're coming into and not taking from it. Now, there is the idea of um, the, uh, what do you, like the ecosystem being damaged, uh, sustainable travel, sustainable tourism. Um, there is an episode probably in the first 20 or so that I did where ecotourism is really a thing. There are now um, airline regulations that are trying to limit emissions and they're adding all these perks and different um, 
things on flights and shit so that you can be a more conscious traveler. They're taking, you know, single use plastics out of a lot of things and they're changing this type of paper to that kind of paper. And there are a lot of different things within travel that are trying to um, also step into the sustainability lane, right? And there are certain um, communities around the world that are starting to limit tourism because of the effects of tourism on the natural habitats, right? So you've got, um, I believe in um, Peru, damn, what's it called? Is it Machu Picchu? I think it's Machu Picchu. Let's just say it's Machu Picchu. But some of the trails are corroding and becoming very dangerous to use because so many people are using them. There was something else I'd read in somebody's, um, not newspaper, a magazine where they were starting to scale back tours in another area for the same reason. There were a lot of people just in the area and it was damaging the, um, the natural environment. So in that sense, communities are scaling back on tourism and making it so that their environments can stay healthy and stay something that they, you know, as themselves locals can enjoy or just, just so that you don't lose these, um, natural habitats and natural places to due to uh, heavy traffic. Right. So that's something that's in place to preserve natural environments. But what about the natural environment of community? What is in, what is in place to make sure that those environments aren't tarnished and that those environments aren't trampled upon. So when you have all these tour groups coming into small communities and into spaces where people's everyday lives, people's personal lives can be somewhat on display. So it's one thing when you're walking into someone's home. For the most part, they are welcoming you into their home. That's fine. It's contained to the home that you're in and the people that you're with, right? But walking down a road where there isn't that much entertainment on site, like in the first world country, you can have kids inside playing video games, inside on their computers, inside on cell phones or inside doing whatever number of million electronic things that are in there. Not to say that everything inside is bad, but they may spend more inside than outside. But if you don't have air conditioning, if you don't have um, a lot of electronic stuff to occupy you inside, you might want to be outside. So now your personal life, the life that you live in your home is being lived outside. And that's because it makes sense to, right? So now that you're living some of your personal life outside, when you have these groups and these tourists and people from all these different places coming in, what is in place to keep these people respectful of your space? And I feel like what can be in place to keep these environments, because communities are environments, what I think can be in place is conversation. And I'm hoping that this conversation at least puts into your mind that don't forget you're a guest in other people's homes while you're traveling. And it's not just in the sense of picking up your trash when you walk around, being polite to people and speaking to people when you go in and out and up and down and stuff. But it's also being aware of the companies that you book with, being aware of the Airbnbs that you um, 
decide to stay in, at the resorts that you decide to stay at, however you vacation, whether it be luxury, whether it be mid-level, or whether you go hostels across the board and you do no frills, backpack, um, couch share, and all that jazz. However you travel, please, please, please keep in mind that you are a guest in somebody else's house. Do not put your feet on the couch. Don't put your feet on my table. Treat my home the way you would treat your home. Um, I don't know, Grandma. That's a good question. My grandma asked, what can make them respect your neighborhood? I think that the people can make them respect their neighborhood. I feel like one big difference in um, that instances is I've never seen in any of the tours that I've been on someone speak up or out about people taking photos or about large groups of people, you know, standing. I'm making the assumption that something like the tour that I went on in Cuba while I was in Palenque, that that was something that was discussed with the people in that neighborhood because there were so many spots where we stopped and spoke with people from the neighborhood about where we were and about what was going on. But say you remove the tour from an isolated community like that, right? And you put the tour in Harlem, like Michaela's tour, or you put the tour in Queens, where um, where I live. Outside of someone, say, speaking up and saying, hey, this isn't okay with me. People being disrespectful, for the most part, like people coming in and just taking pictures of your house and your laundry on the um, clothesline or of your car and, you know, just personal things. Because I'm just thinking in terms of how where I am and where I live would look to people taking a tour in my neighborhood, right? Unless somebody came out their house and was like, yo, cut that out. Stop. What are you doing? Y'all could take that someplace else. It wouldn't necessarily be a thing. But I think that also the difference in the two thing in the two different areas is that where I am, there's really nothing for you to take a picture of. There's no, um, well, as of now, what if one of my neighbors, ooh, damn, that would be low. Um, this could be a good story though. Well, what if my na- one of my neighbors ended up being like a, I don't want to say a serial killer. That's a little too macabre. Maybe, okay, so what if they became, like, wild famous? Like, they ended up, because I want to put the best, they ended up being the inventor or they freaking cured cancer. My neighbor two houses up, yep, I know exactly who I'm thinking of, the neighbor two houses up that I always speak to when I go outside, that brother cured cancer, right? So now people want to come see the house where he lived while he was curing cancer. Sounds great. But now I've got 50 people every Tuesday coming in and walking on my block, taking pictures of where I live. I can't walk outside my bathrobe to throw out the trash. You know what I mean? I mean, I probably still would. But all that being said is, when you think about people coming into your neighborhood and doing some of the things that we do when we're on vacation, it kind of 
gives you an opportunity to kind of take a step back, reel it in, and consider that the way you're acting may not be okay. So, say all that to say, be considerate when you're traveling. Don't be disrespectful. Consider what you're doing in these people's homes as some of them doing the same thing to you in your neighborhood, right? Um, and definitely be conscious of who you're spending your money with because you want everybody in that community to eat. You want everybody to be able to benefit from your experience there. It just makes for a more inclusive world, and I just really feel like there's no harm in doing good when you can do good. So in the little ways that you're able to benefit or no, to impact people for the positive, I definitely think that you should um, be sure to take those opportunities. So all that being said, this episode will be live, live, like big live, not live, but I've got great, I think this is 4k quality. I'm sure I got 4k. I don't know, but It'll be on the um, on the YouTubes because now there are visuals for the podcast. So if you'd like to watch the podcast, you can go to YouTube and type in travel and shit and um, watch the podcast. Um, it's cold, I'm tired, and um, pretty sure that I don't have any other announcements. Uh, yeah, keep following IGTV so that you guys can continue to see the new, I don't want to say installments, but I guess, new, no, new episodes of the Six Piece and a Carry On series that will be wrapping up before, before the holidays. I think it should be wrapping up before the holidays, but um, because the holidays are coming soon, there will definitely be, you know, a couple little surprises there, so Really excited to um, continue to share that with you guys. I had a really great time excuse me, recording all of that. Again, thank you to my camera person, Hydea. She's incredible. She's not common on Instagram. So if you're looking for someone to um, record, to work with, to create, um, I would definitely recommend her. Same way I would, of course, recommend Shatik. Because Beats on Film, been popping in the streets for years. So, um, yeah, pretty much it. Dcarry.com, um, underscore Dcarry to watch the series. And the series is basically explaining to you guys how I section my travel. How I book my accommodations, why I use certain um, apps um, all the questions you guys ask, like, how can I do this? What do you do so that I can do the same thing? I basically explained all of it in a video as if I were being a tourist here in New York. So I had a really great time doing everything. And, um, I actually was a tourist. Everything that I did was new to me except for, um, Melba's and I'm cold now. Um, what's the place called Harlem hops. Um, so, ooh, was that a surprise? Maybe. You probably won't notice. But anyway, so six weeks in this uh, carry-on. Uh, check that out. 
episodes are now on the YouTubes. Dcarry.com has everything. If you have any questions, DM me, email me. A couple of you guys have been emailing me. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. I'm going home. Thanks for chatting. And thank you to my grandma for being on the episode with me. Long distance via Facebook. Appreciate you.